1: listening to your old friends ron and don on the ron and rate on the ron and don radio network man <laughs>
0: Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 408 now of the Ron and Don Show. And heck, yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, everyone asks us every once in a while, hey, I want to sell this property, and then I want to turn around, maybe buy a triplex or a quadplex, or I want to buy an apartment building. How do I do that? And how do I do a 1031 exchange? What is a 1031 exchange? We're doing a couple of those right now, and uh, we're going to explain it to you. Also, my very good friend Liz is over in poland right now and the reason that she's over there is because she is a healthcare worker and she's an amazing healthcare worker uh she got her degree from john hopkins and what it has allowed her to do is really travel all over the world in times of crisis and to help people and i have great 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 respect for her so whether it's something happening in puerto rico or right now in ukraine she just she shows up and she's a single mom and she has a healthcare job here locally in Seattle. Uh, but they I just got off a text message with her and it is evening in Ukraine. She's getting ready to go to bed. She's going to go for a run and go to bed. She sent me a really extraordinary picture uh, that I want to tell you about. Uh, and it, it she, she's providing healthcare right now, not just for adults, but for the kids that are left behind. The kids that have been orphaned. So I have a really important story that I want to share with you. Before we get to that, though, we'll lighten it up a little bit. And let's get to this. Yeah, over the Memorial Day weekend, I think we all saw the rain. And we're like, what are we going to do? And my son and I decided, hey, you know what we're going to do? Let's sit down. And I asked him, I said, <laughs> it's so great talking to a 12-year-old. And, I, and I'm like, hey, uh, Gunnar, do you know who Do you know Tom Cruise is? And he's like Tom Cruise. Who's that day? So I, I I explained all these movies to him. My son has no idea who Tom Tom Cruise is. Why should he? Yeah, and then I explained uh, this movie called Top Gun that I grew up on in the 80s, right? And all my friends did. And My my friend Tom Riney actually ended up becoming a Top Gun pilot as a result of seeing that movie, right? So this is when Ron and I would have been in high school, coming out of high school, getting ready to go to college. And this was that movie, that iconic movie. <laughs> Uh, that everybody thought you couldn't write a sequel to, including Tom Cruise. So what we did is we stayed at home, and I thought to myself, "We're because we're always watching Marvel movies, I wonder how this Tom Cruise movie will go from 36 years ago, and I wonder if he'll like it. And if he likes it, then the next day, hey, during this rainstorm that we're having, let's go see Top Gun. I'm going to take him. We'll go get some popcorn. We're going to watch Top Gun. Time,
2: can we stop the show here for a second? Yeah. You and I had a binding agreement that we were going to watch this movie together. We even talked about it on the pod. Did you go to this movie without me? I'm I'm, I'm still going to the movie with you. You're going to see it again? Yeah. Okay, is, so is, I mean, do I need to I, leave? Is there going to be spoiler alerts I don't, in this segment because I've deliberately totally. yeah, there's I have be- not I've seen it on Twitter and I Pushed away. I've seen it in my news feed, cool. and I pushed away on Facebook. That's on you, I'm man. You should have
0: seen the movie rest- with the rest of the world no, by now. You, I was million, waiting on you. Three hundred million dollars. I was office. waiting on you I'm going. to say I ne- you, you know, already went! I know. You know what? You already went. I never go see a I movie for apology. the second time. I will go see this. I movie. want an apology you right know, now. I, I really don't apologize because we had some bad weather over the weekend. We were supposed to come visit you in your tiny house. You canceled on us, and I you didn't said, hey, on you." You did. You said, "Hey, it's horrible." Up here, it's not nice. You I guys was shouldn't there come. Both days. I'm in the porn rain, I'm going home, and I think you said you guys should go watch a movie. Oh my god, the only movie this that is was a travesty! It's Top Gun.
2: I cannot believe, after all the time we've anyway, been texting me not, night I, I, and day, you know what? About I'm not, Top Gun, I'm, not, I'm not, and how We're I, going to see it, I, we're I, gonna sit in separate I, rows, I, <laughs> we're gonna get popcorn. It's gonna be like the old times. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to wear matching jackets to this premiere, really? And then now, we, do we have matching jackets? You said you you wanted to wear some sort of top gun, I would wear h- an aviator I glasses.
0: glasses, so did he. And yeah.
2: then now you go without me, yeah. I am offended. By yeah, this. so
0: I won't do any spoilers here, but what I will say is a number of things. Number one, what is really interesting to me about this movie, you guys, and if you haven't watched it yet, you are gonna watch these Top Gun pilots who are in this movie, who are actors, who Tom Cruise said to all of them, Hey, for four months. We're going to create this Top Gun school, and you guys are going to have to go to it, and you're going to have to learn what it's like to feel G-forces. You're going to have to learn what it's like to get in these F-18s. What if you have to eject from the plane while we're filming, and you land somewhere in the ocean? You're, you have to know what that feels like. And so if you get a moment, jump online and watch the training that these Top Gun pilots went through And it really is extraordinary. And I think I can share this story uh, because in the movie, there is this character that plays Goose's son. His name is Rooster. And so this particular movie, part of it is about this relationship that Tom Cruise has with Rooster. And if you remember, Goose was Tom's basically uh, his wingman. He was in the back seat. Tom was in the front. In the first movie. In the first movie. And then they got into a tailspin. I'm not giving away, any, away anything here because this happened in the first movie. And they both had to self-eject from the plane. And what happened with the goose is he ended up hitting his head uh, and he ended up dying, passing away as a result of this. So this story is now 36 years later. I will say that Balcomer is in this film in a tremendous way in a very, very powerful way. And the thing that I loved about Tom Cruise is he said he was, he, he was in fact a number of years ago. Cause they made this movie three and a half years ago and then COVID hit and they said, we can't show it in the, in the movie theaters. He was over shooting like mission impossible 25. Right. And that's where he learned to become a pilot because of all these mission impossible movies. And he's his own stunt man in all these movies. And it's interesting because Jerry Breckhammer got in a plane, flew over, I think they were somewhere in Germany at the time. And he went to meet with Tom Cruise and he said, hey, I'm just, I'm going to beg you, I'm going to ask you one last time. Let's make a Top Gun 2. Let's make a Top Gun 2. I think, I think it's time. And Tom looked at him and he, and he said, you know what? We have to have the story. We have to have a very compelling story. He said the story of what happened, you know, 36 years ago or at this time would have been 33 years ago was so compelling. And I don't want to wreck it. I don't want to break it. The legacy of that movie. And he said, the other important thing is everything is being done by computers now. And he, he said, if I were to make that movie, if we were to have a great story. Uh we wanna be up in real F-18s. And and who's gonna do that? No CGI. Yeah. So anyway, they end up sharing they end up sharing the story with Tom Cruise. He reads the story and he falls in love with it. Then uh, they I heard
2: it's a very good script. Like, yeah, then they start doing the script. research
0: to see if they can actually fly the F-18s. And guess who agrees to it? The Navy up here on Woodby Island says, yeah, you can come fly the planes here. And we'll fly them through the Cascades. So you'll see these scenes where they're flying these F-18s for reals uh, through the Cascades. You see the snow and all that. And then you will see you'll see things, I think, that, that you probably recognize. So
2: very important question for you. And, and by the way, like the way these planes are seated. Uh, and it, Well, let
0: me, let me just say that in the way that they're seated. Uh, you will see Google Tom Cruise and James Corden. Uh, have you seen those two yet? I
2: haven't watched any of it because I was waiting to go to the movie. No,
0: no, no. You should Google that. And you should watch that before you go to the movie because he takes them up in three different planes and you find out what a kick-ass pilot Tom Cruise is. So Tom Cruise can actually fly all these planes and helicopters. And it's amazing. All the other pilots, they train to sit in the back seat, but to look like they were flying the planes and they had to become their own cinema, cinema Cinem- cinematographers. cinematographers. And so all the incredible footage that you see when these actors are up in the plane, not only did they have to go to flight school, but they had to go to cinematography school as well in order to learn to be a camera person and, and to capture what Tom Cruise wanted to capture in this particular movie. So,
2: One important question, though. Yeah. Is there a scene of Tom Cruise running. He is the greatest film runner in cinema history where he he gets into the sprint mode and he's got it to a
0: science. It's amazing. Dude, yeah. does
2: he have a running scene is, in this movie? Toward the end
0: of the movie. Is there's it jogging a, or is he full on? It's full on.
2: Full on Tom, Tom Cruise it, running? It is. How's his form? He's fit, like
0: 59 years old. I tell you what, you... If if you're a Tom Cruise hater, or you, 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 I think you will have great respect for him after you see this movie and with all the other Scientology stuff and all that. And think about this. These guys made this movie. They were very excited about the movie. Then the pandemic hits. And then people our age haven't gone back to the movie theater. And so they wondered, is this the end of the movie theater? Is this all going to be on streaming? And Tom Cruise and all the producers and the directors of this film, they agreed... We are not going to allow, this is what happened with Black Widow, right? Black Widow comes out and Disney says, we're going to put it on streaming. Nobody goes to the theaters. They watch it on streaming. And that's where the main character, she had to turn around and sue Disney and say, hey, where's my money? Because she was getting paid. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, she was getting paid for all the people that showed up in the theaters, not necessarily on streaming. So in this particular one, he said, no, 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 we have to show it. So they really gambled here. They gambled, and they wondered. Did you go
2: IMAX or regular?
0: Just regular uh, here in Ballet. I'm going going to IMAX. Yeah, they wondered. They said to themselves, I wonder if the middle-aged guys will come back and, and, and see these movies because they haven't. And, and I think the median age for people that watch Top Gun was 45 years old. Nice. And they said people that were 18 to 25, they showed up in droves, and they were amazed by that. And in the first three days, the movie made over $300 million. It's the biggest opening that he's ever had. And, and I have to tell you, there's some of the cheese that you see in the movie, uh, and, and I think this is really because we're on the other side. Uh, I don't know, we're still going through the pandemic. But I, but I think we're all still striving to have our normal lives back. This movie gives you that back. It gives you your normal life back, at least for the two hours that you're watching it. And all the cheese that you see in the movie and the need for speed and just... You're, Kenny you're Loggins gonna, in it? You're going to chew on it, and it's going to be delicious, and you are going to love it. And yes, I think the reason why this movie will do so well is because my son... Lo- he was He stood up at the end. He's 12, and he was cheering. Nice. He's clapping his hands and he was cheering, and he looked at me and he goes, "Daddy, why aren't you standing up and cheering?" And I'm like, "So we stood up and we cheer." I, I, I saw sons and fathers there hugging, high fiving, because it was so cool to see my. Because because a lot of times I no all the time I always sit through movies. Not all the most. I sit through a lot of movies, five and six. I, I've seen so, Spider-Man so many times, Into Spider-Verse and all. I've seen all that stuff, and my son can watch those things. Kids can over and over again, and I'm just like, put a bullet in my head. I, 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 I know what happens here into the Spider-Verse. It, it, it was cool to see him love something that I also love so much, and, and maybe that's just where I am in fatherhood right now with the diving stuff and the movie stuff. We're, we're starting to connect on stuff that I like too. And that, and, and, and that was a thrill for me. You're going to love it. Well, you are gonna go. You're going to love it. You're going right, to love I'm, it. I'm in. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll go see it. And, and I bet my son would love to go see it again too. So anyway, uh, before we cut, thoughts, on, thoughts on Tom Cruise making this movie 36 years later and doing it. Uh, he, these guys went to Top Gun. And then they went to Woodby Island, and it's all the kick-ass aviators at Woodby Island that that flew these planes. It, in the it all
2: comes down to story. And I was listening to Ann Hornaday, who writes for the Washington Post, about this, and she's like, "Yeah, the, the first movie had all the tropes, and the you know the shirtless volleyball scene, and Tom Cruise at that time was on the rise and didn't really know who he was yet." And she she said, and I agree with her that Tom Cruise knows who he is now. Hmm. Tom Cruise knows his place in 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 cinema and in the history of cinema and understands who he is, who his audience is, what they're looking for. And so insisting on the storyline that made sense. And he knows, he knows that now, like when Tom Cruise in 86, he didn't know how to deconstruct a script. He didn't know what it meant to produce a movie. He did, he, he probably thought he did, but he did, didn't really know. And so now, 30-some-odd years on, he can take that script and doctor the script and say, this storyline doesn't work. This storyline does work. What if we do this and that and the other? Rearrange things and put them into a sequence that accentuates Tom Cruise and accentuates what he knows he can do. And so I think doing that, insisting on the storyline, the compelling nature of it, and knowing that I can still insert some cheese here, but the 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 love interest has to work, the movie has to work, the action scenes have to work, but if you just string together a bunch of action sequences, he's like, that. that's not what people want. They want some buoyancy underneath that, and it seems like according to you and to what like Rotten Tomatoes and the reviews have said is that they pull it off.
0: Yeah, they pull it off. They pull it off really well. So check it out. Top Gun in theaters right now. Don't wait till it streams. You guys go, go see it on a big screen. Uh, I did not allow myself to start eating popcorn. Good. Because once you start. Highway to
2: the danger zone.
0: Lady Gaga has a song in this that, that, that you are going to love and you are going to have a need for this kind of speed. We'll see you on the other side of this.
3: John and Lauren Greenland were longtime listeners of Ron and Don. So when they needed to sell, they called the guys and were immediately glad they did. It really helps to have somebody who knows the market, knows the process, understands construction that
1: can just, point you in the right direction. So I really appreciated that about working
3: with the team. The Greenlands say unlike other realtors, Ron and Don were intimately engaged in every step of the process, not only advising them on where and where not to spend money to get the house ready, but they actually rolled up their sleeves and helped out on projects all over, even hauling stuff to the dump. We actually felt like we were their only customers. because of all the attention that they paid to us. They were all in with us on this project, including on a Sunday night when we would have a question. They were there every step of the way. Still, the bottom line was the bottom line.
1: When I said what I thought we could get, they were just kind of dead silent. Like, you can get a lot more than that. So we
3: were thrilled. And they did, closing for far more than they could have imagined. And the Greenlands say they got way more than just a great price. There was a friendship that developed and a and a, and a trust. We love them. So when it's your time to sell, get more for your door. Schedule your Ron and Don sit down today at ronanddon.com.
1: Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron.
0: All right, you guys. Welcome back uh, to the Rana Don Show. I was just uh, on my phone looking at pictures of my friend Liz, who is overseas right now. She's actually in Poland, and she is working as a healthcare provider. And there are so many refugees that are standing in line right now. And I'm not just talking about uh, moms and dads. I am talking about children. That don't have moms and dads. So she flew over there. She has a regular job here. She's a mom of two boys. And she called me the other day. Because she said, you know, I I really feel like my life's calling. Because she loves to travel. uh, And she loves to help people. And she said, I I just feel. And she was in the Air Force. um, And she went to Johns Hopkins University. And she's amazing. She's basically a, a... a uh, physician's assistant.
2: And so are these refugees from the Ukrainian war?
0: Yeah. And and she says they are piling into Poland right now. And she said their stories are so heartbreaking, especially those that don't know, especially the children that don't know if their mom, their dad, they've been separated, if they are still with us or still alive. And so what they are doing in Poland, she said, and the people in Poland she said, they are very stoic, they are very matter-of-fact, and they are also just taking care of business. They are, they are taking care of the people from Ukraine. And part of that is because they feel it's the right thing to do. I also think about Poland when you think of World War II and everything that Poland went through. And you know what Poland learned during World War II is a lot of times, hey, we don't want to be next. If it's Ukraine right now, are are we up next? And so I think there's a number of things going on there where they, where they feel some sense of social responsibility for a neighbor, but also thinking in terms of, hey, I wonder if we're going to be next here. It's incredible when you look at these cities and even some of those cities where I think initially Russia said, let's save the infrastructure. Let's tread lightly here because we want to go in and take over these cities and we don't have to, we we don't want to rebuild bridges and factories and, and, and homes. And then I think they got to a point where they were getting their handed to them. And they're like, you know what? The world is watching. We got to blow some stuff up. And so in many of these cities, uh, like 97% of the primary homes are gone and the factories are gone and the bridges are gone and they've just gone in there and they've just started blowing stuff up. And before where they're trying not to target civilians, uh, I don't think they care at, at this point. I think it's, it's win at it all costs. She told me and she sent me a picture and I'm gonna ask her if I can share it. As, as you go through the line and you get medica- medically checked, then there's flags from all over the world. And there are people that are standing in different lines. There's 150 lines that represent 150 nations, and what you're supposed to do, and can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? Uh, the expectation for a lot of them is that we're never going to go back to Ukraine, uh, even though that some have, many have not. You're supposed to go stand in line of the country that you choose forever, wherever you want to go, wherever you want your new home to be. So she said, for instance, there's a lot of people in the United States line. She said there's a lot of people standing in the Canadian line. She said, but, but people are just lined up right now, and, and some of these are just kids. Uh, some of these are parents with kids or divided families, and they're having to make a decision about going somewhere in the world that they've never gone before and to start a new life that is just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. It
2: is, and it's easy in in the, the modern news cycle to sort of forget that this is still going on. And I, I read an interesting article uh, about how Ukraine is, is, with the television, I'm blanking on his name, Zelensky, uh, with Zelensky, the president Zelensky had a background in television. And in fact, one of the shows that he worked on he had speech writers and actors that would play government officials uh, in this television program. And he actually has brought some of those writers from the television writers room over into real life now. And so he is, is scripting a lot of these speeches um, with television writers because he knows that in some regards for the rest of the world, this is a television show. And we, like in America and in uh, the, the, you know, allies in, in, the, in the UE, they see it on TV. And so it's just, it's very interesting to think of a former actor, which we've seen this before, Ronald Reagan, uh, Donald Trump, both had, you know, ties back to television. So we have a, an actor, but he was also a producer. So the speech writers are framing this up as how will this play on TV with the world? How can we write a scene basically so that people don't forget about Ukraine and so that people will engage with stories like the one that you just said, and people will continue to give us aid. And I, I've heard a lot of backlash about, Oh, United States is going to give billions of dollars to Ukraine. How about you take care of, you know, all the people in the United States. And it's like, well, I think that's short-sighted because it's not about that per se. It's about what is our standing in the world. And, uh, and there was part of me that was wondering when you were going to say people were picking out the lines. Part of me was wondering, is there any, are you going to say that the U.S. line has zero people in it? You know, and what is our reputation in the world? How do people think about us? If, you, if there's a Canada line and a U.S. line, has everybody jumped in the Canada line? Like, are eh, like, maybe we don't want to go to the U.S. So it's sort of heartening for me to hear that people still are lining up in the U.S. line. We, we've had a standing in the world for decades, and part of the United Nations was the United States idea and to invite these people into the United Nations to say, hey, we don't want World War II to happen again. So if you attack a member, you attack all of us. That was the pl- That was the pledge decades ago, and it's kind of been like, you attack one of us, eh, you're technically not really one of us, Ukraine. Like, we really started splitting hairs with that and saying you're technically not in, even though you want to be in, and there's all this politics going on, and Russia sits on the council, et cetera. So I think that this is a watershed moment in world history. And and I think, and you're a studier of world history more than I am, it's important for us as Americans to continue to pay attention. It's important for us to go, we we want to have a reputation in the world that a refugee would want to come here. And I think we want to be uh, the type of country that recognizes that and welcomes people here in the way that the people of Poland did to say, we don't want to be on the wrong side of World War III. We just don't.
0: Yeah. And that's why I think it's really important. Like, the uh, average American, the average American does not have a passport and has not gone overseas. They haven't. Uh, maybe they've been to Mexico. Maybe they've been to Canada. But for the most part, they haven't. And the average American has been in five states. And that's it. For a lot of people, they have never left the state. They have never, especially especially a lot of black and brown people, they've never left the state a number of years ago when we did the Seattle Portland ride and we were working with black and Brown children. Most of them, when we got to Portland, that's the first time they ever been to Portland. And it's the first time in their 15, 16, 17, 18 years that they had ever been out of Washington state. How about that? And what happens is when you don't travel other places, or if the only places you travel are in America, We get real Americanized and we forget to be world citizens and we forget that we are more alike with people around the world than we are different. And a lot of times, and we know this just being in the news business, you get people to watch the news because when it bleeds, it does lead. It just does because that's what gets clicks. That's what gets eyeballs. That's what's interesting to people. Look at all this stuff with, 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 I can just say the words Johnny and Amber, and they own the internet right now, and they own television. Uh, We're talking more about that than we are the things that are happening in, in Ukraine right now, because we like seeing that bleeding finger. We like Sam going into a rage when he went into that kitchen. We like the fact that we feel like she, she, she lied. And in the me too movement, there's a men too movement. We, we, we like all that. We, we like the guts and blood. We, we like seeing someone get hurt in NFL. We say we won't, but, but we love watching that. Like, like we love the carnage of that. And, and, and sometimes uh, I think we forget that beyond this television show that we're watching or this thing that we're seeing on the internet are real people are real children. And that's why I am just so appreciative of a real human. Like my friend Liz that would jump on a plane and go to Haiti, jump on a plane and go to Puerto Rico. That would jump on a plane when there's tornadoes and things here in, in Alabama, she'll, she'll go. And, and here, here she is sitting in Poland for 12 hours a day, helping children that have lost their moms and dads and who are deciding which country they're gonna go to uh to rebuild their lives. So anyway, uh Liz, so proud of you. So, so proud of you and your team over there uh that is being so supportive in Poland right now. We will see all you guys on this at this. Hey,
2: it's Ron here with uh, Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. He's the official mortgage guy of Ron Nation. Mitch, I want to do a little case study with you. We have a client. We introduced him to you and you guys hit it off. Who's was like, I want to get a vacation property over in Sunkadia or Ronald or that area. A lot of people are thinking about that right now. What are some good pointers for that type of thing? Like, I want to get a house on the island. I want to get a house in Suncadia. I want to get a house at a golf course. Maybe we'll go out to Orcas. You want that summer cabin or weekend cabin. Is that different than when you're buying your primary house?
1: It is, yes, and it is slightly yes and no. So investment property rates right now, I don't know if you've heard, but they've skyrocketed. Banks are trying to phase out investment properties as much as they can because there's such a housing shortage in the US. Second homes don't count for that, which is huge. So if we can qualify it as a second home, Hmm. it's not quite a primary rate, but it's really close. And that is just has to be something substantially different, right? You can't buy two homes in Seattle that are basically the same and call one a second home. <laughs> right. One of them is going to have to be an investment property. But if you're buying on an island, you're buying up in Cincadia, which is the case of one of our clients, yeah, you call it a second home, you still get a great rate, and you know, you're know you happy with a place. you And you can still rent it out, just right. to be clear. It just can't be a pure investment property. It has to look like a vacation home.
2: So a lot of people fantasize about this, and they think, oh, it, maybe it's in a year, maybe it's in three years maybe it's in five years but getting this financial piece in order in my mind you should start now even if you're like hey i'm thinking 2023 Mm -hmm. uh do you agree with that
1: totally agree yeah and i can't stress that enough i'm willing to talk to anyone so if you come and talk to me today, and you say I want to buy in two years, we'll put a plan together for how you can buy in two years. Right. Or we'll say, hey, it looks like you can buy in one year. If that's interesting to you, I'm not going to pressure you. But financially, you're sound. You can do it now. It's and funny
2: how many times once someone gets all their ducks in a row, that uh, opportunity presents itself.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. They're just softly looking um, at housing online, and then they see one that pops, and they go, "Man, I wish or I they was." They go
2: hang out with their ready. friend and son Katie to play golf, and it's like. Wait, this two-bedroom down the hallway from you is for sale right now? Maybe maybe I buy that. I'm already pre-approved with Mitch. So uh, if you're thinking about and fantasizing about that that weekend place, that second home somewhere for the family on the island, uh, get in touch with Mitch, Mitch.loans. Uh, tell him you're with the uh, Ron and Don Show, and you save half a percent on a new loan. So Mitch.loans, uh, check him out today.
0: All right, welcome back to the Ronda. I said Liz, she's a nurse practitioner. I think she, I said physician assistant. She's not. She's a nurse practitioner, which is just one click down from a physician. So, anyway. Hey, you guys, uh, real quick, a lot of people have been asking us in our real estate business about moving real estate around. And they've also been asking everyone here is these 1031 exchanges. This is an opportunity for me not to pay tax or capital gains. So, I'm going to go get me a 1031 exchange. Well, to get a 1031 exchange, you have to qualify for it. And I think it's important to know what a 1031 exchange is.
2: Yeah, and this has been coming up a lot lately. The, the backstory for this on me that's, that's exciting, and I'm, I'm trying to say this without you know breaking my arm to pat ourselves on the back, is, is we have one client right now that, that's a person of color. And I was explaining and talking about some of these strategies with them, and total blank stare coming back from me. And I was like, you know what? This has been these techniques like 1031 exchanges, uh, stuff even like uh, developing uh, house hacking, getting ADUs and day dues and all these things historically have sort of been um, a privileged play. Like you kind of had to be. Uh, in the know, if you will, and have access to things that were not accessed fairly across. Because the
0: 1031 is a wealth builder. It's a, right, it's it, a wealth builder. It's a wealth builder. So.
2: And, and so I, I said, hey, Don and I would like to, to, if you're into this, you know, we would like to help explain some of these strategies to you. Because quite honestly, it, it predominantly was a white man's game. Like when you look back at the racial covenants that...
0: was still is. What are you talking about? so still is.
2: You look at the racial covenants that all of these neighborhoods in Seattle had when they were subdivided. All of them had racial covenants, that uh, those kind of people weren't allowed to live here. And then over the years, it would evolve into these techniques, like you're talking about, that had to be lobbied and passed into law at a national level or a state level. And it was kind of grandfathered in to super serve white men. And so I I think that's just an aside. It has nothing to do with the nuts and bolts of the 1031. But I I like the part of our business where we – Reach out a hand and say, let, let us try to at least show you the opportunity and then if it works for you, great, but let's make this equitable for everybody because real estate is a, the, the quickest way to build wealth, and it needs to be open to people that historically have been on the outside looking at.
0: Yeah, so to get to a 1031 if you're young, if you're younger, the good thing is your life is leveraged. And so let's say that you buy a house. And so one of my friends, he's an African American state trooper. he bought a house. And he called us the other day, and we work with lots of people that are uh, people, of color, which I love. I love that. So he he called us and said, hey, I'm interested in, you know, our family is growing, and we're interested in maybe living in this particular neighborhood. And he told me the reasons why. And I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I want to sell the house that I'm in, and then we can use that and leverage to, to, to buy this other house. I said, well, what if we keep the house that you're in? We figure out a way to buy the second house, and then the first house becomes an investment property. And I said, down the road, what you can do, so you're going to rent that out. Someone's going to move into that. You're going to own it. Somebody else is going to pay down the mortgage on that. It might even cash flow. You might even make some money every month, but they're going to go ahead. They're going to pay the mortgage down, but your name is going to be on the note with the bank. And then let's say that we get five, six, seven, eight years down the road and we find out that, wow, this house is really appreciated. And let's say this house appreciated $300,000. So not only is it appreciated $300,000, but then at the same time, at the same time you've been paying uh, the mortgage down on this particular property. So let's say there's maybe $500,000 there in play. What you can do with your rental is you can decide to sell it, pull the money out of it, and in pulling the money out of it, you have to go buy something of greater value. So you're going to take that money, you're going to pull it, and instead of going out and buying another single-family home, this is where you buy the duplex. This is where you buy the triplex. This is where you buy the small apartment building. Cause you know what? Now you have three doors. You know what three doors means? Three checks every month. You know what four doors means? Four checks every month. You know what six doors mean? Six checks every month. So think about this. I have a home that is worth $2.2 million. I have another friend that has a home that's worth $2.2 million and they're both rentals. His rental on his $2.2 million home makes $6,000 a month. On my $2.2 million home, My rental makes $12,500 a month. Why is that? Because my home has been turned into a triplex and his home is still a single family home. So when you trade out of an investment property and you trade up, you try to buy more, but you also try to add as many doors as you can. Because as you get older, you're going to need different checks from different places, right? Landing in your mailbox. You've heard of mailbox money. And why would you trade a single-family home for another single-family home that's only one check. So wouldn't you pull that out of a single-family home and go buy something that has three, four, or five doors? Or buy a single-family home. All my single-family homes have three doors. The one I'm sitting in right now, the main house I live in, an ADU downstairs, and a backyard cottage.
2: And so the, the purpose of this 1031 that you've heard of is if you're selling a property, but, and you don't need the cash right now. So it's not like some people like I need, I need to sell this house because I'm putting my kid through college or I'm going to sell this piece of property because I'm moving to a different state and I need the money now or I'm having some health problems, I'm going to relocate for health reasons and I need the money now. That's not what a 1031 is for. What the 1031 is for is the government has set up this program where if you're going to sell the house like Don just said and the the goal of that money is to go to another investment property, then you don't pay capital gains or taxes on that money You get to kick it down the road, kick the can down the road until you could level up five or six times in the next 10, 20 years and never pay taxes on that money until the very final time, until you actually sell a piece of property and take the capital gains tax because you want the money. So it's a really smart strategy. There's lots of rules, lots of forms with the government. There's a strategy to do it that you need to abide by to make it successful. But many people don't know that. And and we've had clients that will sell a property, take the, the capital gains and excise tax hit on close, and then turn around and buy another property. And so they left all that money that they gave to the government, could have gone into the new house and probably and most likely had them be able to afford more. Yeah,
0: house. and you can't do that if it's your primary. So if you're living in a house and it's your primary, you kind of want to do what I was telling the state trooper to do. It's your primary. So if you move out of that house and hang on to it and make your primary now a secondary and a rental, that's what you can 1031. You can 1031 a secondary property, a rental property, even a property uh, that you've been vacation renting out to somebody else, but you can't do that with your primary house. So that's why on the 1031 and you're thinking a long form strategy why sell this? And and this is why there's a a lot of houses that aren't for sale, you guys, because of strategies like this, right? Why why am I going to sell a house that I could hang on to and then use that as a is is really a weapon to go ahead and to and to build wealth? So. Yeah.
2: So if you're interested in these strategies, uh, and especially if you've been marginalized in your life, if you feel like. No one ever told me this stuff. I've always felt like I was on the outside looking in for gender reasons or race reasons, or maybe your your father died when you were long young or left you out, or and you just didn't. No one ever told you. You didn't learn it in high school. Uh, you've been a renter, whatever it is. Uh, I love to to help people like that to sort of open up that door, and it's exciting for me when it clicks for someone. They're like, "Oh yeah." This is how I change my family. This is how I improve my life. This is how I'm going to move and level up. Uh, and it's a strategy because I got to live somewhere anyways. It's a strategy that that I, you can unlock. So email me, uh, ron at windermere.com or go to ron at on sit and schedule that sit down right there.
0: Yeah. And the cool thing is, as Ron said, if you've been marginalized, I think last year, 30% of our clients are African-American. We are working on behalf of four African-American clients right now. And 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 they're kick-ass clients. They're great. Uh and like one told me, that's an attorney. She said, I know how to make money. I never learned how to build wealth. Can you guys teach me how to build wealth? So that's what we're doing. And uh we're gonna meet with her on Friday and go build some wealth. So anyway, you guys, if you need us, Ronadon it's thirty minutes. Cost you absolutely nothing. We'll send you a Ronadon camp mug. We'll just find out if we're gonna be good teammates. If you're thinking about buying and selling, and the 1031 has very specific things that you have to do in order to qualify. And we know what those specific things are. So get in touch with us. Uh, as Ron said, ronandonsitdown.com. Also get signed up for the nation news at ronandonsitdown.com. And if you're a potential advertiser, if you'd like to advertise on the Ron and Don show, Uh, reach out to me, Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. We're going to take on three more advertisers, but we want them to be advertisers that actually listen to the Ron and Don show. And if you talk to Mitch, not loans, he just got another award because the Ron and Don nation will beat down your door and they will use you. If you ask Les Schwab, yeah, that's why they stayed with us for the last 12 years. So anyway, if you're out there and specifically, uh, maybe if you're a contractor or you're somebody out there who is in the business of revamping homes, uh, we are here for you. So just reach out to me, Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Find me, send me a note, and uh, we'll see if we can get uh, you on the podcast today. All right, you guys? Yeah. He's Ron, I'm Don. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time for episode 409. It'll be here before you know it. Only on the Ron and Don Radio now.